are live. Let's just wait for a couple of people to get on before we start. So if you're watching this afterwards, this is why we're always waiting a little bit in the beginning. <clears throat> but let's just give it a minute for a couple of people to join and then we'll get going. Okay, we have a couple of people on. So welcome back to Tree Top Chat episode 24. Uh, you're probably wondering who the hell is this guy, and sometimes I'm wondering that too, who the hell am I? But as you may know, Anders has been going through, or has gone through surgery, it went well, but he's just in recovery mode now, so that's why I'm stepping in to uh, do the Tree Top Chat this... Uh, you? Yeah, this is why I'm stepping in to do the Tree Top Chat this week. Um, so we'll be, you know, sticking to the usual format, just speaking to our guest, which I'll bring on in a minute, and just... You know, doing as usual, I got the same, I got the classic shirt, I got the classic hat, the glass of water, the smile, we're all good to go. So, welcome everyone. Today we'll be speaking to John Faulkner, who's also called, or known as Arborgeddon, or Frogsy on Instagram. And John is an arborist from the UK, who now works in Sweden. Just let me add him here. Australia, and he's also um, an avid photographer. So we'll be speaking a bit about, uh, a bit about, um, was speaking a bit about his experiences and you know tips and his hobbies and all that. So without further ado, I can see that John is on. Welcome, John. How are you doing? Good, good. Thank you. Yes, good. Sweet. Yeah. So you maybe you saw in the beginning. Uh, we're not. This is a bit of a different format. Anders has gone through surgery, so that's yeah. why I'm posting yeah. this today. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, I've had a good. Um... Uh, a good day. I'm I'm on my way back to Sweden slowly but surely. Um, I'm actually in Germany at the moment, um, just catching up with an old friend of mine who I used to work with back in London. Um, you know, we've we've both sort of been working around, you know, different countries mm -hmm. for years, and so it's just nice to kind of, you know, tee up again, see some old faces, and just sort of catch up. And yeah, it's really cool. For sure. Yeah, I, I get the feeling you're kind of like the the Mr. Worldwide of the arborist industry. You've been bit all over the place no oh no not really i mean you know i've i've sort of um it's only really in the last couple of years that my i guess my skill set and uh, my sort of um connections have, have enabled me to travel uh, you know to, to some countries there's loads and loads of other places that I, i'm dying to get to obviously at the moment with the coronavirus and stuff it's pretty um it's pretty tough so um yeah mm -hmm. kind of you know floating around and trying not to get too tied down and you know sort of trying to yeah, just get better. Just get better and learn and, yeah. For sure, yeah. That, that's a good mindset to have in all, all parts of life, I guess. You know, you can always keep on learning, always more places, always more things to explore, yeah? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. But, so we have a couple of talking points here that we're, we wanted to get through today. Yeah. So we're going to start with the first one, which is quite quite interesting, I think, and I'm really dying to know the answer to this one. But your bio says committing arbor... I don't know how to pronounce that, but arboreal crimes since 1990. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, you know, that quote, why you put that in your bio, and also about how you got into the arborist industry and what that journey looked like for you. Yeah, okay, all right. So, so one day I just decided to change my name to Arborgeddon. I've got no idea why, and I couldn't <laughs> believe, actually, that no one had that as a username, so I was like, well, why not? Um, but basically... You know, like, if you scroll through my Instagram, like, and anyone that knows me, they know that, you know, sometimes I won't have a high-vis on. You know, I've got, like, a, a visor on my on my pencil screen, 
uh, on my helmet and I, I don't put it down sometimes. And some people, they kind of call me out on it. They're like, hey, like you're not wearing your high vis and stuff. And it's all like a bit serious, serious. And, you know, like I'm just, I'm just a young lad, you know, really deep down. So I, I kind of, those arboreal crimes are kind of, you know, when maybe I'm looking the other way, which I, I absolutely shouldn't be, you know, because it's a deadly serious thing. And I, I want to talk more about that later. But it's just, I guess, in, in, in a nutshell, to remind people that I don't take myself too seriously. Uh, and it's just like a sort of bit, bit of fun, really, more than anything. Um, so that's Thank you. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a very it's a very catchy thing to put on your bio. I saw that on your Instagram bio. It's like, I got to explore who the hell who the hell this guy is, the international arborist criminal. Yeah. But how did you end up, you know, becoming an arborist? What did that journey look like for you? And why did you decide to, you know, join the, the tree care industry out of out of all the possibilities which you had? Well, I um, I, I was working like on the weekends with this dude out in the forest and I just moved wood around. That's all I did by hand. And then he gave me a pair of chainsaw trousers and some boots and a hat and you know, he showed me how to make some cuts and look after a saw. And, and uh, I sort of did that for a couple of years when I was like 14, 15. And uh, I left school and I went to college to study uh, geography and geology and uh, a couple of other things. And um, I didn't really get on with the course. So um, I was working one weekend and I was telling my, my boss at the time, um, who I actually ended up working for a couple of weeks ago, which was just amazing. First time in like, yeah. you know, 30 years. And uh, anyway, he said, oh, why don't you go and study to be a, a, a climbing lumberjack or, you know, like a, a forester. And so I did. Um, and I went and I studied for a couple of years in the southeast of England. And um, and I, I've honestly, I've never looked back. I absolutely love the job, being outdoors, being taxed, always having to try and apply yourself and, you know, like learning stuff all the time, every single day, you know, like and teaching stuff and just, yeah, it's just great. It's just absolutely, it's, just, it's the best job in the world. It is. Mm -hmm. world. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, everyone who we, that we've had on in this chat says the exact same thing. I've never heard anyone say, I became an arborist, but now I'm looking back and I'm regretting my decision. Never heard before. Yeah. yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But, and also then this, uh, obviously, you know, this whole uh, ex kind of that you stumbled upon has brought you to a lot of places. And most recently you were in Australia, right? Before coming to Sweden. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that whole experience and what you were doing in, in, in Australia and what that was like. So the, the, whole, the whole reason why I wanted to go there was just to further my experience in the industry. And that, that, that was pretty much it. Um, so, you know, me and um, a partner at the time, we, you know, just booked some tickets and, you know, I was real keen to get out there. So, um, and, uh, you know, I, I've not actually been to that many countries before. Um, so I, I, I was really keen to go there. And um, I spoke to a guy. I just literally, you know, I looked on, on my iPhone. It's great. These smartphones that you have nowadays, it can tell you what the time is in all these different countries. So you're not going to wake someone up at three in the morning. Anyway, I called him up. He said, get out of here and, uh, and, and get stuck in. So, so I did. And um, I climbed the biggest trees I've ever, ever climbed, worked with some amazing people, um, really opened my eyes up to like the, the dangers in the job and like the vectors that are at force out there with the big stuff and you know working in a different climate and a different culture and all that kind of stuff um, so so yeah that's that's the reason why I went it was an incredible experience mm -hmm. so, um, everything about it you know like the, the competition and seeing old friends and you know and then sort of 
doing all this amazing stuff and and then you know obviously the bushfires were were sort of raging and you know i sort of did a little bit of work there or voluntary work which a lot of sort of you know oh, people yeah. actually donated their their hard-earned cash you know to to, mm-hmm. to sort of help us get out there and, and help people you know and and that was an unforgettable experience and something that i you know, yeah for sure it sounds it sounds amazing and you know you hear a lot of good things about australia in general but the one i was going to ask you about what's the kind of like you know working in that climate with all these you know hear about all these animals the spiders that can kill you out of nowhere is that something which you kind of have to consider when you're an arborist or is that just pop which you hear? so like i mean they're there you know like i i rescued a snake you know like i was climbing trees and there's spiders crawling on me and you know like i, I remember going surf, surfing one morning and there were sharks in the water and so there are dangers there but in my opinion the biggest danger is the fact that the trees are so big and mm, yeah. that, that sort of risk you know associated with that so um but no not really i think it's just basically you know, a bit scaremongering you know it's not that bad but the heat that's, yeah. that's definitely high up on the list it's oh, okay it's, yeah it's you know chainsaw trousers boots ear defenders you know like you get so hot um you know, so you've got to drink a lot of electrolytes, make sure you're checking your, your guys all the time, you know, if you had a break, you know, because you're miles away up in the tree, you can't really see what they're doing. And, you know, so it's important to just sort of take breaks, work safe. And so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, there are those, you know, temperature and, you know, environment aspects too, too. Oh, it's crazy. Think about. 42 degrees Celsius out there one day. It was just mad. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah. You don't really get that here, do you, in Sweden? No, it's... um. No, the coldest I worked in, I think it was minus 18 in Uppsala, I think a couple of years ago. Oh, geez. Okay. Yeah, that was a that was a cold. Yeah, me and my friend were doing these habitat prunes. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was good. Nice. But cold. Yeah. So it was minus 18, Cashley. You were like, I'm still here. You know, I'll still get the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no biggie. It's but okay, up. if we're going to take uh, Sweden, and which is a bit of a contrast to Australia, what brought you to Sweden in the first place? Because you're obviously from the UK to begin with. Yeah, so um, I I don't honestly I don't really know because like my, my the guy that taught me everything I know now his name's Guy Litchfield and his late brother Degeray um, started a company up um, down south in Sweden and I he always used his brother's um, you know sort of uh, maps and you know surveys uh, that Degeray would create it and use around, you know, sort of Gothenburg, Yftebori and, you know, Mamlo and stuff. And, um, and, and we'd learn from those, um, you know, so uh, I always kind of had this kind of sweet sort of uh, thought about Sweden. And it's this really nice sort of very organized place and beautiful scenery and all this kind of stuff. And then I was working in London in 2007, uh, sorry, 2017. And I'd never been on a plane before. And I, I was kind of thinking like, you know, um, maybe it's about time. And, uh, you know, I, I sort of getting a bit bored of living and working in the capital. It's a, it's a really busy place. You know, it's the whole population of Sweden inside a, inside a city. You know, it's, it's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so um, I just booked the, booked the flight and found some work. And, yeah. and, went there and it was great. Um, but I, I really missed my, so I've got a dog. She's actually, she's right here. Um, and she comes to work with me. Uh, all the time. Okay. So I, I I went back to England, did my car license, and drove back and uh, worked at Jackson's for a year. That was, that was oh, nice. Okay. 
But that seems like quite a radical switch. Like, what, what did you say? In 2017, you had never been on a plane before. Yeah, 27 years old, never been on a plane. Uh, so then, so then you're like, I've never been on a plane, but let me just buy a ticket and I'll move to Sweden. That's quite a quite quite a contrast, you know. Go there and work and further my skills and the rest of it. So I, I basically just emailed all these companies in, you know, Oslo, Stavanger, um, Bergen, and you know, Helsinki and in Denmark and Germany, everywhere. And the first place that got back to me uh, was, was a, a tree company in, in, um, in, in Stockholm, uh, on Kong Shulman. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where I went, you know, and I just did a few months there and it was, it was wicked. So I came back, you know. Awesome, yeah. Yeah. But so if you were then to take this whole, you know, kind of cultural or like the, the different perspectives you got on working in Sweden, UK, Australia, how would you say they compare to each other, the three different markets? I think... I mean, I've not done a massive amount of work in, in Australia or in Sweden. So, but what, what I will say is that in each of those countries, there's a very broad uh, kind of, um, oh, what do you say? Like um, the, the work that's carried out and the safety of what we're doing and the, the following of the rules, that is, is massively different in, in one company compared to another company. It's, it's very, very, very different. And... Um, and that's, that's something that I think um, it, that lack of consistency in the industry is, is, is mm -hmm. it needs fixing. Ultimately, it needs fixing because it's creating, uh, you know, accidents and, and people are, you know, people are sort of, you know, yeah. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I, I basically, I think, you know, it is very different, you know, depending on where you are. Obviously, they don't have the standards in Australia that we do here in Europe, um, you know, Britain um, has long been like, you know, a sort of stronghold for arboriculture, um, you know, and that goes back a, a long time. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of British climbers around the world, you know, that have started up their own thing and, you know, and, and so I think, um, yeah, I think like basically in a nutshell, I think in Scandinavia, in my experience, I think, um, safety and the quality of life for the worker in the workplace is like paramount so that's super super important mm -hmm. and i i I'm a, i support that massively and it's one of the things that i've realized that hang on like everywhere needs to be doing this and that's something that we all need to try and sort of encourage and and, and build up um so that other countries you know like the uk where i'm from like in australia that, that they're following uh, the, the same sort of suit as, as the Scandi because mm -hmm. you know, they're doing it the right way, in my opinion. But you know, yeah. Okay, now I see. I see what you mean. That makes sense. That can be applied to a lot of different industries. Just that it makes it you know easier to operate when the procedures and you know the standards are standardized across all of them, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it's not just that. I think it's just like things like etiquette, you know, and like sort of um, you know grassroots arborists. You know, when you're you know, because there's very, there's very many different types of courses. You can do degrees, you can have a PhD, you can, you know, you can have like just uh, licenses to operate machinery. Um, so there's like a broad spectrum of, of, of arborists. And so there's a broad spectrum of, um, of wages um, and there's a broad mm. spectrum of work quality. And I think that's something that really should almost, I mean, obviously I don't really know enough about business to sort of understand like, you know, why we have competition and stuff like that but you know i i think um yeah i think uh yeah i think the way that it's done in sweden i think is a very good way i think it's um mm -hmm. yeah, yeah which is yeah, good to hear <laughs>
But so you mentioned competitions there. So if we just bring it back to 2019, you were at the Red Bull branched out, right? Yes. Yes, I was. Tell us a little bit about that and how that was, how you ended up there, what it was like, all um, that. Yeah, so I ended up there because my incredibly proud father bought me a ticket uh, for the competition without me knowing. And I was actually a little <laughs> bit kind of sceptical, you know, because I, I don't really rate myself as a good climber, um, you know, um, quite modest and all the rest of it. So, but anyway, I, I decided to go along and um, it turns out it was brilliant. It was just great fun. There was a load of people that I hadn't seen for years that had moved back to Australia or New Zealand and that had turned up, guys that I met in Sweden. You know, so that was really cool. It was just, you know, hanging out with, you know, friends, you know, like family, tree family. Mm -hmm. know, that was really cool. But yeah, like the competition itself, um, I was very surprised um, at how I performed. Um, I was um, lucky enough to sort of get into the final tree uh, on the Sunday. Oh, wow, okay. Which was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was great. And um, But actually, like, one, of, one of the things that I... I'm quite into my photography, so I, I took, I just bought a digital camera at the time. I've been using an old film camera for like 15 years, and I bought, uh, I bought this, um, this digital camera, and I was just taking photos of everyone, you know, like Anadee and and Jonas and Douglas and Victoria and like, you know, just everyone. I was just taking photos, mm -hmm. and emailing people. I spent the whole way back to Melbourne, like 10 hour drive, just on my phone, sending emails to people, like giving them all these pictures and stuff. It was great. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was wicked. It was wicked. So, um, yeah. So that kind of, we'll get to that a bit later. So that kind of opened up your, to a greater extent, your whole photography hobby and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. So we might as well take that now then. So tell us a little bit more about, because you're obviously an avid photographer. You have a, a, a photography page on Instagram, which yeah. is some awesome work. So Thank feel you. free to shout that out. But also tell us a little bit about that whole hobby, you know, what it means, how it overlaps with the Arab industry. And, and all that part. What do you like about it? I, well, I mean, so I, you know, I'm a, a massive fan and avid sort of, you know, um, yeah, fan of, of, of art, you know, music. Um, yeah, like art, you know, sculpting, like all that kind of stuff. And um, I think the most important thing about art is the emotion that evokes when you see or hear or watch that film or that, you know, picture. And um, I do, I think, you know, it's, um, pe people know me to be quite a sort of sensitive guy, like, you know, quite emotional sometimes. And, you know, I kind of think that I, I basically just want to try and get like a, a feeling, like, you know, into, into a picture. And I've been doing it for years, mm -hmm. you know, with, with these old cameras. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, when I got the, the new camera, it meant I can sort of show and exhibit or whatever my pictures uh, to a larger group of people instead of having to spend, 20 quid to get a film processed and printed and then I'd, I'd you know I'd write you know addresses down and send all these photos to all my mates around the world you know so it's kind of yeah it just kind of started with that really um but um mm -hmm. in terms of like our boricultural photography I mean that started um I don't know if it counts with an iPhone does it yeah I think it does I think it does I think it counts with an iPhone um but yeah that started at Red Bull and uh it just brought me yeah. so giving those photos to people and stuff and you know I've since like done done some photography for, for friends and bosses that I've worked for and you know to try and sort of get a climate's perspective um, of the work that we're doing because it's it's incredible work you know defying the laws of gravity to look after a tree 
you know, it's like... Yeah, for sure. And, like, it can be very interesting to get... Because, obviously, when you're, you know, on the ground looking up, it's a completely different perspective from when you're, you're actually up there doing the work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so very interesting to get that perspective for from an arborist. But how would you say it's... Would you say it's, like, connected you with the whole industry? Because you're mentioning that you've been sending it to mates all around the world. Would you say it's connected you to the whole industry in a greater yeah. way? Yeah, I think that's safe, safe uh, to say that. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, because when I was at the competition, I'd, I'd just take photos of randomers, you know, locals, you know, that were there for mm -hmm. us and serving us drinks. And I'd send them the photos. And, you know, like climbers that I'd never met before, all of a sudden, they've got this, you know, and they're very grateful that I've taken a picture of them. I don't want any money for it. Have the photograph. It's of you climbing, at, you know, the world's most gnarliest, like, tree climbing event. And, uh, you know, I would want that memory. I would want someone to take a photo of me. So I thought, yeah, just, just have them, you know, so. Um, That's awesome, yeah. But I would, like to, I would like to try a little bit more, I think, um, you know, like arboricultural photography, you know, like taking pictures of people's businesses for them and stuff. And, mm -hmm. Okay, but, yeah. Yeah. Why not? You obviously got the skills to do it, right? You kind of just need to get stuck in, I guess, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you can. I don't know if you see the comments, but we've had like four or five people say that you're taking great pictures. Yes. So I'm not the only one saying it. Yeah. But um, so I can move on to the, ne the next kind of thing. And I know we talked about this earlier and I know that you wanted to kind of touch on this because I, I guess it's, I would say it's important for everyone to know and get this perspective. But you worked in a couple of different countries and, you know, you have these different experiences. Tell us a little bit. Give us some tips. Tell us a little bit about the risks and all that whole part. I think um, like one of the things that I've been guilty of uh, in, my, in my job and in my career is basically um, presuming that things will be fine and just, you know, not asking someone's second opinion, um, you know, not taking basic health and safety rules seriously. Like, you know, and I, I am guilty of not wearing a high boot, you know, but hearing protection, helmets, boots, trousers, like all this kind of stuff, you know, like I've worked in these countries. And I've worked with every single type of arborist going, arborist. You know, that can be tree professional that's studied for years at college. Or it could be someone that doesn't have any qualifications, but has got a lot of work cutting stuff down. And mm -hmm. you, know, you get stuck in your ways and you get stubborn and stuff. And I think, I think, um, I, yeah, th there needs to be a lot more respect for what we're doing. Because life is, you know, it's treated so frivolously. And um, it's, it's lost, you know, and friends of mine, you know, um, and sort of living with the ramifications of those, those decisions through injuries for, for the rest of their lives. You know, I've got several friends that have all, you know, sort of had, had nasty, um, but, you know, whatever nasty escape. Mm -hmm. It's something that I think that actually we don't, we don't really talk about enough, you know, yeah. in my experience going around the world and well, not around the world, but you know what I mean? people don't talk about accidents they don't talk it's like there's this taboo around it and it's like this sensitive subject and it really mm -hmm. me up because actually there's a lot to be learned from you know all of the unfortunate things that happen and that it's mm -hmm. normal nine times out of ten it's it's a human error which you know might suck but that's that's the truth that's how it is um but i think there's like you know there's it's not just with the with the individual that's doing the work. It's also the management that's getting them there. Mm. So if you're if you're like I don't know self-employed and you just work for yourself and you're trying to make as much money as possible 
you know, and you employ a couple of guys to come and drag branches for you. And you, you do all the climbing yourself and it's just a small, you know, it's probably something that you're not really that interested in if you're quite young. Mm -hmm. and, starting yeah. up. and that's, that's, that needs to change. That straight up just needs to change because that's not right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. But then, you know, in the larger companies where stuff kind of misses, misses out, you know, like stuff gets missed and, you know, there's no sort of real um, urgency to sort of just make sure that these guys and girls that are going out doing this work day in, day out, that they're doing it safely. They're doing it legally. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, for sure. These are things that I think that need to be stepped up, you know, like, there's no, uh, we have this thing in, in the UK called LOLA, which is lifting operations and lifting equipment regulations. And it's a weekly mm -hmm. and monthly check of all of your clients oh, okay. where it's safe to use. They don't have that in Europe. They don't have it anywhere else in Europe. They don't have it in Australia. The trees are twice as big over in Australia. They're massive. Yeah. You know, and, and stuff gets abused because it's having a harder life because everything's bigger, heavier, all the same kind of stuff, you know. So, basic things like risk assessments don't have, you know, they don't get done. And, you know, it's like, you know, I've worked, worked at places before where, you know, like someone had had like, you know, a pretty minor injury, but they had to go to hospital and they had time off work. It was minor and they were fine. Um, but, you know, there was no risk assessment filled out. So, you know, someone's like running into a van and quickly writing one out before, do you know what I mean? It's just... Yeah, no, no, that's, yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's a very, but I, like, I really like... I liked all you said, but especially what you said in the beginning, that there's too much of a taboo of everything negative that happens. And that kind of applies to a lot of places. And I think it's great that you, you know, take this chance to, to speak out about that because this will get seen by a couple of hundred people on Instagram and YouTube. You know, maybe we can start that whole conversation. You kind of start to remove that taboo. And I see that Douglas, you know, Douglas from Press Arbrisk is commenting that as well. And yeah, I think that's a really good, good point. That is such a brilliant app. You know, if anyone's watching this video now and doesn't have the Arb Risk app, just download it and start using it. It's absolutely fantastic. It's so user friendly. It's just, it's just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So just, just do it. I think um, there's a, there's, you know, this kind of like alpha male thing or alpha female thing where people are like, okay, I'm the best climber here. You do what I was, what you're told, and all the rest of it. And I think that's actually a weakness. I think. Mm -hmm. Strength in the individual that says, "Hey, look, I, 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 I screwed up. Um, I made a mistake, or you know." And I think, I think you know, sometimes instead of you know, like a, a traveler in trees, tre a Trev, you know, at home, you know, he's yeah. out in America, and he puts these videos up of him not getting it right. And I've got so much time for him because he does that. I think that's a, mm -hmm. a really good thing, and I think more people, myself included, need to sort of let other people know that you know, they're not always getting it right. But on Instagram, yeah, media and on YouTube, all you're getting is when people nail it. And what you don't realize is they've probably got it wrong 10 times. You know, it's like um, yeah. one video, it's a great video. It's this guy and he's just bought a captain hook. Okay. And I love my captain hook. It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And um, in, instead of like posting a video of him getting a first shot first time, he posted this compilation of all of the fails. And there's like hundreds of failed throwing attempts with this hook. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's just, you yeah. know. And you normally, you normally wouldn't see that because, you know, you kind of have this fear of putting your own, you know, not failures, but kind of your own yeah. weaknesses out there. You just want to put the, the good stuff out, right? Vulnerability, putting yourself in a vulnerable situation takes a lot of, um, a lot of guts and a lot of courage. And, um, mm -hmm. 
you're definitely a stronger individual if you're able to, um, yeah, sort of let yourself become vulnerable um, so that you can sort of grow. And, you know, I think having that sort of humble sort of state of mind. That's a great message for, for anyone. Yeah, I see. Yeah, I see a lot of people commenting that too. That you know about our brisk and and everything you just said. So Douglas, we'll we'll send you an invoice for the free the free promo here afterwards. <laughs> but so kind of like on a on a bit of a different note. Uh, this is a, a question which we ask everyone, and obviously you've you've had a lot of experience in the industry. So what's your kind of funniest job story that you that you can share with the audience? Um. Well, I don't really, I don't really know. I mean, I, I like to think that I'm not having a laugh all the time, you know, but I don't really, there was, there was one time actually that kind of stands out a little bit. Um, I was working in, uh, in the snow in London. Mm -hmm. In the summertime, we'd use a, a steel, you know, petrol blower to obviously blow all the dust around. And I, I'd hide with the blower at the end of the job and I'd be hiding with it in a bottle of water and I'd pour the water in and it just soaks my friends as they walk past on their way back to the truck. But I was doing it with the snow and we had this big, like, you know, snow fight. It's hilarious. Um, there was another time when we all um, decided to have, like, a sort of airsoft uh, match in the yard, which is, you know, highly risky. And um, Okay. Uh, but it was, was this uh, while you were working or was this afterwards? No, after, after work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After work. Uh, <laughs> everyone had down the top. But, you know, people brought in these little, like, BB guns. And I think there was a mate who had a smoke grenade and flashbang or something. You know? <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, it was great. It was. It was brilliant. Uh, I think, I think to be honest, like, I, I wish I wish that uh, at so many times in my life, like, in doing the job, that there was a video camera on record just in the van on the way to the job. Yeah. Some of the best times I've ever had have just been sat in a van on the way to the job. And there's just this like banter going on, and everyone's just falling about the place. And yeah, it's just, yeah, I might have to. Yeah, that's amazing. That's kind of also what, what I really like about this whole industry that, you know, in between all these jobs, there's so much, I don't know, you're using the British term banter. There's so much banter going on, you know, all the time between, between jobs, you know, when people are here, yeah. all that. I, I think that's quite unique. You don't really see that in every industry. No, no, that's true. That's true, yeah. Yeah, and it's, you know, it obviously depends on the individual. Like me, myself, you know, I, I'm quite gullible. And people know that. Mm -hmm. I am. So they'll, like, tell me a story, which is just a complete fabrication. I'll be like, oh, wow, wow, really? And they'll, <laughs> just, they'll take it to another level. And then I'll realise, I'm like, oh, come on. Like, <laughs> you've, been, you've been fooled. Yeah. <laughs> but okay. So what, what's kind of like, uh, what's next for you? Like, do you have any fun projects, any plans, planning to stay in Sweden, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I've just spent a bit of time back home, seeing some friends and family, doing a little bit of work and getting my car sorted out and getting my, my beautiful hound, uh, dog, Diesel. You're a good girl, aren't you? Um, uh, and yeah, obviously I'm headed back to Sweden. I'm probably going to uh, I'm probably gonna head out there for, um, yeah, like definitely for the winter. And I'm not sure, you know, maybe I'll spend the rest of my life there. I, I don't know. <laughs> Up but, to whatever happens, right? I, I really want to want to go and spend some time with um with Andy and Jonas again. Uh, it was really mm -hmm. nice to have them sort of come and stay at my place in Melbourne. That was really cool. Um, so I'd love to get over to India and sort of spend some time with them. And um, I'm quite keen to uh, to get out to British Columbia. Uh, oh yeah. 
So yeah. You know, I actually I actually lived in British Columbia for a year. Did you? In Vancouver, yeah, it's quite a, quite a random random fact, but it's a really lovely place. Where where specifically? Uh, Vancouver Island, because that's where the surf is, pretty much. That's oh, okay. Oh, you're a surfer. Uh, I'm a newbie, but yeah, I love okay, it. yeah, super hooked on it. Yeah, I'm not sure what the tree care industry is like or the arborist industry is like in British Columbia. Is it the same? It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, it's it is. Yeah. A lot of work. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. They've got a lot lot of big trees there as well. They do, they do. Actually, like, um, it's very sad, but, you know, obviously that there was um, uh, a death that happened a couple of days ago. Young mm-hmm. young guy, yeah. Eddie Mather, yeah, was working for a friend of mine uh, in BC and, you know, obviously just, like, you know, sort of thoughts with him and his family at the moment. There's actually um, a page that you can sort of donate money on to um, help his family get him back to Australia, which is where he's from. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, if uh, if anyone's sort of interested in that, which I think you should be, um, yeah, if you go onto uh, Recoil dot com's Instagram page, there's a link on his bio. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Like a tenor in there. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's like, and and I don't know, like uh, talking about BC and talking about Eddie and stuff, and you know, like I think it's coming back to the whole safety thing and this like whole taboo thing. I think. I think it just needs it just needs to change, you know. I think that employers who are employing subcontractors or you know employers that have employed guys, you know, they need to be drilling it into them every single day. Make sure that everything's safe. People that are coming into the industry need to be like you know super respectful of anyone that's mm-hmm. like trying to teach them something or you know, and they need to. I don't know. I mean, how much drilling in can you do for for you know young inexperienced yeah. people? You know, for but, sure. I think. So, I think it was Derek who said that uh, Derek from a Norwegian tree company. We had him animal today. We had him on like uh, three weeks ago. You know him, yeah. He said well, he had some great quote. It was like humbleness in motion or something, something like that. Which is kind of like you approach things like you say. You come into the arborist industry and you're you're humble. You're eager, eager to learn, and you know you don't want to just impose your views or standards on all, on everyone else in that way. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I guess that's related to what we're what we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely is. You know, I think um, I I think it's an an inherently dangerous job. Doesn't matter which way you butter it up, it's dangerous. You know, and yeah, sure, there's yeah. a lot of people out there that aren't wearing protective gear. Like when I was working in Australia, I worked for companies where people didn't even have any boots, chainsaw trousers, mm-hmm. or helmets on, and uh, you know they definitely you know sort of um, yeah don't don't know how to handle stuff properly and. That, that shouldn't be happening. You know, these are professional companies which are paying tax and employing people and they're not yeah. providing them with safety equipment. It's just, it's just not on. It's just not on, you know. It's, um, and it, and yeah. it, it needs to change. It's just, you know, it's 2021, uh, nearly. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> almost. It's almost 2021. It's time to change. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Sort it out. Sort it out. <laughs> Get your... Stuff together. I don't know if I can swear on here, but uh, yeah, get your stuff together. Get your stuff together. Uh, (laughs) So, kind of speaking about all this stuff, we have, you know, um, like we're talking about, there's the whole mindset part, but like you say, there's also the whole PPE and the equipment part of it. So, speaking of equipment, this is our standard question, by the way. What is your favorite piece of gear of all time and why? (sighs) 
difficult one. It is difficult, actually, yeah, because I'm really attached to my gear. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I'm so attached to it. You know, I mean, I could say, like, oh, yeah, some fancy climbing device, but I think, to be honest, it, it's probably something just like my, my figure of eight descender, you know? Yeah. My figure of eight, I use it for everything. Rescues, yeah. redirects, bailing out of trees. Uh, I've just seen uh, Andy's uh, comment on the keeper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Some some people might know that I I, I didn't really get on with it after uh, after getting it from a friend of mine, and um, yeah, I took it off my belt <laughs> quite quickly. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's a there's a, a a volume two, I think, in the in the pipeline, which is good because it needs something to basically hold it together. Anyway, we're digressing. Yeah. Okay. So you're you're very attached to your gear. Yeah. Yeah. Just like. And you know when you're working, you're quite literally attached to your gear most of the time as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I've never thought about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so I reckon it's my figure of eight. My figure. Of okay. Eight. You know that's probably the first time we've had that that specific piece of gear on the Three Top Chat twenty four episodes in. So yeah, well done for being unique. But okay, so do we have any questions from the from the audience or anyone watching if you're wondering anything in particular? Questions. If we if we have any. It usually takes like a minute or something for them to come in. But what was this comment about the keeper? Tell us uh, tell us what another means means with that. So um it's it's actually it's a it's a great um it's a great device. It's it's lanyard storage, you know. So you yeah. don't have your lanyard just getting caught and you know like getting tangled up and stuff so it's it's a great device and i think there's definitely a place for it but uh the one that i had it, it basically the top part kept coming off and then mm -hmm. you end up with this even like it's like the worst tangled mess that you've ever had on your yeah. on your on your belt so um uh yeah I, I just yeah i got a bit annoyed with it and um i might have had a story uh about it uh and my sort of um ill uh, thoughts about said product. Um, here we go. Here's a couple of questions. So when when I'm next to the store, um, yeah, probably um, probably when I get paid next. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. Good answer. Yeah. Uh, when have I been climbing SRT? Yeah. That was about two. Was it two years? Three years ago? Three or four years ago? I can't really remember. I used to um, I used to footlock on a doubled line with a long prosset. Um, okay. And I'd have my hitch climber on the ground and then my grounded would pull it up to me in the tree once I got up into the tree. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, a friend of mine um, got me into SRT and uh, he gave me this like sort of diagram and it was basically just a piece of wood with two holes on it. And you, yeah. you put it through your rope and you don't really need it for going up, but when you go down, it just bends the bends the um, the rope. So I just had this piece okay. of attached to my hitch climber, and um, yeah. and then I forked out and bought the the rope wrench. Um, and now you know, oh, okay. I've been climbing on most of the SRT devices going, and yeah, like I, I love it, you know. So I use it. Every right. Day. Yeah. Perfect. Then we have another question from uh, Arboris Douglas: Runner or Bone? Oh. <laughs> honestly that's that's so great honestly i love the bulldog bone you know because it's like motorcycle chain it's made from steel mm -hmm. real heavy 
it's a quality item. Um, mm -hmm. I love it. I really love the Bulldog Bone. But the new Rope Runner, it is, fa it is pretty fantastic. It is. Yeah. The, the Bulldog Bone, it's so compact and it's so easy to get on and off your rope. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. The Rope Runner is better okay. than it was, the new one. Uh, and uh, it's, it's just really smooth. It's really smooth, you know. But none of them have got a C mark yet. So, you know, in Europe, Really yeah, exactly. Yeah, I still got my rope. Okay, yeah. so, you know, just... But that's a that's a good input for when they become CE marks. Exactly. Yeah. Can watch. Gonna get CE marks soon. Yeah, for sure. Uh, another one from Anali. A lot of questions here. What's the biggest tree you climbed, bro? He also added bro there at the end, just to you bro. know make it more personal. Love yeah. that. Brother from another mother. Um, <laughs> it would have been. It was a dead, I think it was a dead, well, no, it was definitely dead. It was a dead mountain ash, a eucalyptus regnans uh, in Sassafras, Victoria, in the Sherbrooke Forest and Dandenong Ranges. Um, I reckon it was, I reckon it was probably like, you know, seven, 70, 80 metres tall. Yeah. Oh, jeez, okay. Big. Very big. Yeah. Quite a big field. Yeah, so. Nice. Okay, we'll take the um, last question then for, sorry, go on. I interrupted you. No, no, that's it. I'll, I'll finish. Yeah. No, I, I just saw we got another question here from uh, Douglas. We'll take this as the last one. Uh, battery or petrol? I assume he's uh, speaking about cars. No, no, I'm joking. He's speaking about chainsaws, right? I like. I think that we should have been using battery saws 20 years ago, but and battery cars and battery everything. Okay, like I don't know if anyone's watched the. David Attenborough's most recent documentary, which is on Netflix, is absolutely amazing. I urge you to watch it. It's called um, A Life on Our Planet. It's incredible. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I think we should have been like, going down the electric route a long time ago. However, however, I think if you are going to buy battery stuff, it has to be Husqvarna. Mm -hmm. It just has to be Husqvarna. Their battery products are absolutely incredible. I have, you know, like we were talking about attachment earlier. I've got this attachment to my, like, I'm never going to get mm -hmm. rid of it. It's the best saw in the world. I love it. I love yeah. how it sounds. I love how it feels. I love the smell. It's just, it's all, it's all good. Love it. Okay, yeah, it's great input. Well, we'll see Thank if you. maybe there's a Tesla saw one day. You never know. You know. Drums or bass. <laughs> <laughs> Favourite tree to climb is probably a... Um, Salix capria, which I think is a goat willow. Um, real strong wood. Love, uh, drums okay. or bass. Um, drums or bass. Is that bass like fish? Maybe I really. I have no. I think he's referring to the instrument, right? Oh right, yeah. Then drums, drums. But I do like sea bass. It's very nice. Good fish. Yeah. Nice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit confused there too. I was thinking maybe drums. It doesn't kind of fish. Who knows. No, I'm a, I love a drum. No, I love a bass. Oh, I don't know. I can't answer that question. Oh, so you play you play music too, then you said you like you like art. Uh yes, I do, yeah. I have been known to, to hit hit some drums skins once in a while. Yeah, I like to. Um I really want to be playing it more often really. So um but um nice, okay. life gets in the way. You'll yeah. have to have to share that a bit more on Instagram too then. Yeah. Your your music. But okay. It is 
6.15 on a Friday evening. So I think we'll, we'll call it a day there. We've been going for around 45 minutes. Yeah, it's time to go later. It's Friday. For yeah. sure, yeah. So thank you, everyone, for watching. Everyone who tuned in to, to watch, we really appreciate, you know, turning it, tuning into the treetop chat every Friday. It's a good little opportunity to kind of bring the ARB industry together. And John, thank you so much for, oh, you got the dog there too, representing. Thank you so much for uh, joining, John. It was great to get your perspective yeah. on, you know, the, the industry and all of your experiences and all that. So thank you so much for, for joining. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. And, you know, like, if, if anyone is going to, you know, just, you know, start, you know, sort of stepping up to the table and opening up a bit of doing wrong and, you know, coming clean. And, you know, I just think we'll all start talking about, you know, safety because I, I think um, more more of us need to be sort of, you know, on the ball and stuff. There's too many people having injuries and too many people losing their lives. Mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, it's just stop. It's just stop. So, yeah. cool. All yeah, right, thanks great, a lot. Have a great, great day. Evening, Thank you so much for that. Have a great weekend, everyone. Take care and we'll see you next Friday.